Hey everybody, it's Glamorous Mary here. So, today I'm going to be chit-chatting about a case that makes me very sad, of course. Um, most of these cases do, but when it involves children, children, I'm especially um, disturbed and saddened when the results of the case turn out bad for the um, victim. The young girl, Jody Perrick, was going to a friend's house that afternoon, riding her bicycle. Her brother had walked with her there and made sure she got there all right. When he returned, however, she had already left. He had assumed she had gone home, but really, after Jody had left, she rode her bike down a familiar street, and when a neighbor asked for her to help him move some boxes, it was all over for Jody when she agreed. So, Jody Perrick was born September 2nd, 1996, and her murder she was murdered on November 8th, 2007. Jody was 11 years old in the fifth grade, attending Riverside Elementary School in a small town of Constantine, Michigan. Jody was a very beautiful, bright young lady. She had blonde hair and blue eyes. She resembled her mom quite a bit. She had a warm, loving smile and just a very pleasant face to go with a very pleasant personality. Jody loved fishing, swimming, bike riding, her friends, baseball. She loved playing dress up and singing as well. She was a very active little child. Jody wanted to become a cosmetologist when she grew up. She told her mom, she told her mom Joe that when people look pretty, like they feel better, they feel pretty, you know? How you look often reflects on how you feel on the inside. And the person who murdered Jody, quite a hideous sight. So, I mean, I couldn't agree more with Jody. I feel 10 times better when I look good, when I have my makeup on and my hair done. I don't feel like such a slug. So I think she, she was a very um, empathetic type of person. You could already tell she wanted to make people feel better and she she had a picture taken when she was around six years old or so where she had her makeup all done and she looked like a little pageant queen and a lot of people say she looked like JonBenet Ramsey and there's also been comparisons between the two cases because before this case was solved because it is eventually solved it took almost 10 years but they did find her murderer, thank God. So, 
they compare the two cases because Joe, Jody's mom, and Jody's 13-year-old brother, Darren, were obviously one of the suspects at first, and even after the police cleared them, there's always going to be some people around that still think they did it. So let's just um, kind of get into the day of what happened to Jody. So Jody was going to a friend's house that afternoon. I'm not sure if it was a school night or not, so my apologies for that. I, from what I gather, I think Joe, their mom, was at work, but I know she was not home. And Darren, Jody's older brother, had specific instructions. He was to bring Jody to her friend's house, and he was also to pick her up afterwards. So he was going to head back there in a couple hours. There wasn't like a they didn't have like a phone call thing where she would call him. From what I gather, he was just going to return and get his little sister. So, from what it looks like on the documentary or whatever it is about this case, um, I think it's Crime Watch or something, you could see the footage where they show a boy walking beside a girl riding her bike. So it looks like Darren kind of walked beside Jody while she rode her bike to her friend's house. You know how kids do. They're kind of more like using their feet but sitting on their bike while the other person's walking with them. So, or just riding very slow. So, yeah, they arrive at this friend's house I think it was a boy. It could have been a girl. I'm not sure. But, yeah, Darren says he'll come back and pick her up in a bit. So he leaves. And when Joe arrives home, it's already dark outside. And she notices that Darren, her son, is the only one who is home. She is very upset and says, where is Jody?" And she is kind of getting upset and, you know, she was furious with him in her own words. She's like, you were supposed to go pick her up. She's obviously one of those moms who is aware that young girls can be targets and it's good to be in group. She is, she seems to already be on the alert and she was trying to take these precautions, you know, to make sure that Jody wouldn't be in the type of situation that she ended up being in. So for whatever reason, you know, Darren has to explain to his mom that he went to pick her up, but she had already left. And he had assumed that she had come home, which is probably where she was headed. For whatever reason, she left the friend's house and didn't wait for her brother, uh, which I don't know, but um, it's sad. You know how kids are. I know I've gone off a few times by myself, even though I was instructed to stay with my brothers, and I had three, and I would still manage to end up alone at times because I would be stubborn, and 
I was the only one not really making sense of the group. I wanted to go one way or stay at, a, like, the mall or something, and it was time to go home. Like, for example, there was one time my brothers were ready to walk home, and I was like, no, I don't want to go yet. And, like, finally they're just like, okay, see ya. And, like, the three of them, like, walked off. And I'm just... I was, you know, I didn't really have any money. I didn't really have anything to do there. So I literally stayed, like, just being a stubborn little jerk. I stayed in the mall doorway kind of area. You know, when you first walk into a mall, there's, like, the doors and the windows. So I stayed, like, right there just looking out at the parking lot. I didn't go far. I just stayed, like, right where they left me pretty much. And... Uh, I just remember feeling like, what am I going to do? And I think it was getting to that point where I was thinking, I'm going to have to walk home alone type of thing. But what happened was my brothers made it all the way home, okay? And it was quite a good walk. I can't remember the exact distance, but it was a few blocks, okay? So they get home and my mom's like, okay, you're going to have to go right back and get your sister. Like, she was pissed. And whenever I would be alone, she was pissed. Even if it was my fault, she would get upset with my brothers. I had two older brothers and one that was a year younger than me. So, um, The oldest one of my brothers is five years older than me. So um, I still have my brothers. I don't know why I said I don't really know what I just said. Um, I'm talking about myself when I shouldn't be. But anyways, they came and got me. And I was like, just relieved to say the least. Um, but they, can you imagine? These, these poor boys had to put up with me <laughs> growing up. And that wasn't, I was just very, I still am headstrong and stubborn. So Yes, that's just one example of, you know, kids just tend to either go off sometimes on their own and or be left because they don't want to go with the group. And this happens with adults, too, who go to the bars and stuff. So it, yeah, it happens and to older people and younger people where a friend gets left behind and then is never seen again. Okay, I'm going to give you guys one more example real quick because it's a pretty pivotal moment in my life. I was like 12 years old, and I don't know why I say it was pivotal, but, you know, <laughs> I was so scared. So, I just we just moved to this new neighborhood, and I was like in grade 5. I was Jody's age, and my two brothers... Uh, Matthew and Jared, my younger one, and my second oldest one, he was three years older than me, so they know the way home, and I'm trying to say it's a different way, like, I want to go left, they want to go straight, and um, they're just like, it's this way, so they keep going, and I end up making the turn, and I was lost, uh, I did not know where I was, and I was practically, I remember yelling at some, like, big heavy set guy who looked a little crazy across the street. I'm like, do you know where Rideau is? I lived in this, like, kind of area. It was called Rideau. 
this is in Oshawa, Ontario. It's a very probably poor <laughs> neighborhood. My mom was a single mom, right? So I'm like screaming at people and um, asking people. Like I didn't ask too many people. I think I just screamed at that one guy across the road. And he just like kind of just like kept like shuffling along. And I finally somehow found my way to like the parking lot. It's a different type of way to the Rideau place where I lived. And it's a big parking lot and there's a big building and there's like a hill that goes up. Like a really small hill. Like perhaps um, 10 feet so there's these two teenage boys who were walking up the hill and I kind of yelled at them halfway across the parking lot I'm like do you know where Rideau is and they're like it's right here and as they're walking up the hill they're just like they open their the kid opened his arms and said it's right here so I was excited at that moment I just felt relief and I ran towards the hill and went up the hill and as soon as I went up the hill I recognized the field I knew where I was and I knew I just had to run across that field pretty much. And that would be where my home was at the time. So when I got home, my mom was very worried. Um, you know, my brothers had arrived before me. And they had told her that I went a different way. So she's like, oh my gosh, right? She's probably thinking, like, I might have to go look for her. And she was scared. And when I told her, like, years later that it was teenage boys who helped me, that made her, like, she had another, like, scared look on her face. Like, the teenage boys could have done something to me. So my mom was very aware, and she would try to put these precautions in place, like, Mary, go with your brothers. And I would always be, like, kind of dragging behind, and she'd be like, keep up with your brothers. So, um... I just wanted to mention that because I did almost get lost that day, but somehow, by the grace of God, I found my way home. And um, similar to my mom, Joe, Jody's mom, was freaking out. She was, like, upset with Darren because he was home without Jody, and it was already dark out. She realizes that the friend that Jody was at actually has an uncle who is a reserve police officer, Raymond McCain. So she dials Raymond McCain's number. She gets him on the phone and she tells him that Jody's missing. And right away he says, I'll help you look for her. So Jody's got friends. Right away she's calling everyone. She's like, Can you help me find my daughter? You know, the police now are in on it. They're trying to help find Jody and that night they're just searching and searching playgrounds you know parks schools all the friends houses they're going to the friends houses knocking but there's no sign of jody officer raymond mccain suggests well he asks jody's mom and the group she was with like they're kind of having this little gather of a couple of the groups to regroup, try to figure out what to do next in order to find Jody. Raymond is suggesting that they go look in the cemetery. He says, has anyone searched the cemetery yet? And this will come back to haunt him 
big time. And it's very eerie because he doesn't search the cemetery himself, ever. He he asks if they search the cemetery, and Joe says no. Like, they're kind of taken back by this suggestion. Like, why would she be in the cemetery? She doesn't like the idea, and they pretty much dismiss it. So, another couple hours goes by. They haven't found Jody. They regroup yet again. And Officer McCain, yet again, is he suggests, hey, did you guys search that cemetery? And they said no. But, you know, Joe, she was like, no, but I guess we'll go next. We'll go to the cemetery next. Because it was kind of by Joe's house. It, was, it wasn't too far from their home. So Officer McCain's like, have you gone and searched the cemetery by your home? So her and, you know, she's with a group and they're in this one car and they drive to the cemetery, um, her and her search party. When they arrive, they turn into the cemetery and the car lights shone right on Jody's bike. So immediately the lights are shining on Jody's bike. This is terrifying. This is their first clue. And the fact that they're seeing the bike alone is like Joe had already been in and out of the police station that night before she arrived at the cemetery checking, you know, making sure there was no information that she had missed. And she had a sinking feeling at the cemetery, like, not at the cemetery, but before she even got to the cemetery, that she was searching for a body and not her daughter, you know? She was just, she felt like Jody was gone already, like a mother's intuition. Joe and her search party are the ones to find Jody laying by this really tall gravestone almost like he had set her there like he picked almost like the spot the murderer picked like the spot to place Jody so she was just placed by this tall um headstone type of thing this gravestone and immediately Joe could tell her daughter was dead like she was just laying there with her hair covering her face she was fully dressed, shoes on, pants done up. It You couldn't tell by finding Jody that she had been sexually assaulted. Joe fell to the ground on her knees saying, no God, no God, like, like any of us would do. She couldn't believe it. She didn't want to believe it. I mean, at that moment, her her whole life was altered and it was altered for the worse. From that day on, from that moment on, now she was living a real-life nightmare. And it wasn't going to go away. It's, it's just, it's a nightmare. It really, it's truly a nightmare. It's something I, I hope, I pray I'll never have to, like, oh my gosh, I can't even imagine. Joe's little girl her only daughter. She loved playing dress-up, singing. She wanted to make people feel beautiful. Was just laying there lifeless. 
She scooped Jody up in her arms and held her tight, brushing the hair off her beautiful face. She looked as if she was just sleeping peacefully like her little princess would be just in her bed at home. She looked like a little angel. Jody resembled Joe so much. It, like, from what, in my opinion. And they were obviously very close. And it just shattered Joe's heart. It really did. And it would pretty much shatter any parent's heart unless they don't really have one. I'm not sure about the biological dad, but I'm sure if he had any type of relationship with the family and found out this news, he was also heartbroken. Or rather, is heartbroken. Heartbreak doesn't really stop when it comes to something like this. The officer zoned in on the family first as pretty much protocol questioning the mom, the brother, accusing them of doing it, accusing the mom of covering up for the son, kind of similar to the Ramsey case. Like people like to point out, the officers were very rude um, about it. The interrogators, apparently they were accusing Darren and, and his friends of doing it. Which would mean that him and his friends would have sexually assaulted his little sister and then killed her by wrapping a plastic bag around her head and just tying it there until she suffocated to death. You know, her hands were obviously must have been tied behind her back at one point. When they found her, from the photos you can see, she was not bound, but... If her hands were free, she would have just found a way to rip the bag off her head, right? So she must have been bound at some point. After the police had moved on from the family, they zoned in on Officer Raymond McCain, who was the uncle of the child that Jody was playing with the day that she was murdered. And the investigators would always point out to Raymond that he was the one who suggested the cemetery, yet he did not bother going and searching the cemetery himself, as if he was trying to distance himself from the crime, and he did not want to be the one to find Jody's body. Raymond would be accused for years and looked at sideways by the people in his town of Constantine, Michigan. Eventually, he was removed from the police force due to suspicions of him being involved with the crime. Now, Raymond had a wife and two young daughters, but they also known that they also had discovered that he had a bit of a porn addiction. He would often look at pornography. I'm not sure the specifics of it. I'm hoping it was all appropriate age pornography, I am not sure, but this also made them zone in on him. So life got pretty messed up for Raymond, you know, his life was pretty much ruined as well. Joe has strong suspicions about Raymond, I mean, I think she's even a little suspicious to this day about him, even though... 
Jody's killer was eventually found, and it was not Raymond McCain. So we're going to get to that in just a little bit here. This case, they didn't have enough evidence to charge Raymond McCain. It eventually went cold, but Joe pressed and pressed and pressed at the police department. She wanted this case reopened, and eventually they did set up a four-man cold case team, and they did think it was worth it to do this, of course, especially because it was a child. I mean, she was murdered in 2008. It's not like it's been cold for that long. They still have a very good chance of finding who did it. Unfortunately, the cold case team focuses in on the same person that they focused on before this case went cold, Raymond. You know how police, they just, they don't try to find new leads sometimes. They don't know what to go on. They they don't know, you know. And I think if they would have dug and maybe looked at the family of Jody's friends and the dynamics who was living with who, I think they could have actually maybe figured this out. Like, although the person was not on their radar, maybe they could have figured it out if they would have dug deeper. Instead, however, it was about Raymond, and they accused him. They pulled out the same arguments about the cemetery and how he suggested it multiple times, never went and searched it himself, even though he had that opportunity to do so. He had a porn addiction. Um, he was the uncle of the child Jody played with. He was still the one they were going to try to blame. And eventually he was sentenced. It said to... It said... I don't know. I was confused reading it because I've never seen a sentence like this. It said 20 months to 20 years. Like, how does that make sense? I have no idea. But they ended up locking up Raymond. And um, he was still behind bars when Jody's murderer was found. So, a few years later... August 2015. Another beautiful 10-year-old girl is riding her bike. Her name, Mackenzie Stafford. She is approached by an elderly man, you know, in the back of the house by his garage because she's riding down this road and he's asking her for help. But as he closes in on her, he attacks her, drags her into his garage he turns away for a second and is going to turn the garage and she turns around and punches him and kicks him and that's when he grabs a knife and slashes the girl's torso but she manages to escape miraculously by god's grace this little girl gets away from this old pervert but she fought for her life you know and i'm sure jody tried to fight too you know this little girl, thank God she got away and she told police and this led them right to 65-year-old piece of shit, Daniel Furlong, greasy, ugly ass piece of shit. He admitted to Jody's murder almost immediately. Uh, they 
connected the dots pretty quickly anyways. He was a granddad of one of Jody's good friends, a little boy who apparently Jody had a crush on. He would watch these kids play at his house. He had written down a bunch of little girls' names, uh, including Jody's. I'm not sure if Mackenzie was on there, but it seemed like he was keeping track of his grandson's friends, especially the little girls. He explained to interrogators, I had many opportunities with Jody. She was always at my house. And they're like, well, yeah, but you weren't alone. There was other people around, other kids around, your grandson. So this is what happened. Jody's riding her bike along this road. And maybe she did leave early to go see her crush or if he was around. Who knows? I'm not sure if this was the road to, like, on the way to her house. But either way, this old dumbass comes out and he's like, Can you help me move some boxes? Okay, little kids, if an older person wants you to do something for them, don't do it. Run away. Oh my gosh. Like a grown man, I don't care how old he is, asking a little 11-year-old girl to help him move boxes? Like, fuck off. Piece of shit. So this is his excuse to lure Jody into his fucking garage. And she's like, has a crush on his grandson, so she wants to help this fucking pervert. Ugh, disgust. It pisses me off, quite frankly. As soon as Jody's in the garage, that's when he, uh, like, attacks her, ties her up, and she's crying and crying. And she's like, please let me go. You know, at this point, the garage is closed, and now it's just him and her. And he's like, uh, no, I can't do that. I can't let you go yet. Like, very fucking rude and condescending. And then this old fucking pervert proceeds to rape Jody Viciously. She's in pain, crying, crying, begging and pleading for him to let her go. He explains to interrogators, I just wanted sex. Fuck off, you dirty, greasy old piece of fucking worthless trash. Well, he didn't just want sex because he killed her after, knowing that she would rat his old ass out. Now, he claims this was his first time and his second attempt just didn't work with that other little girl, Mackenzie. He had a knife ready. You know, he seemed a little bit too comfortable with fucking killing kids and raping them, in my opinion. They tried to accuse him for another six-year-old little girl who had disappeared around that area a few years prior to Jody's murder, and he denied that he had anything to do with that. But I don't, like, obviously believe him. Like, he's just worthless, in my opinion, and he is probably a strong suspect in any kid's disappearance around that area, in my opinion. But he admits to the whole thing with Jody, and he denies knowing Raymond McCain. Because they're like, hey, do you know this guy? Did he help you? Da-da-da. Because remember, remember, Raymond is their prime, was their prime suspect until this old guy finally came into the view. The old guy said, no, I don't know. The old piece of shit, I mean. 
when the officers go to Raymond's cell, he's like, oh, yes, they're going to apologize. He had already heard the news that Jody's actual murderer and rapist was found. And instead of saying, hey, sorry, Raymond, <laughs> we're going to let you out now, they interrogate him some more, some more. They're like, did you know Daniel Forlong? Blah, blah, blah. They were in some kind of a club together or something, or they attended the same club at one point. Or they were just members. I don't know, guys. But either way, they denied knowing each other. And Raymond explained, like, the age gap. We wouldn't have attended this club thing at the same time. And that whatever he was a member of, I don't know. Some It wasn't like a golf club, I don't think. But, you know, some stupid-ass thing like that. So, uh, you know, they do release Raymond. But his reputation around that area is forever tarnished. Because people are still like, hey... You help this old guy. And, um, you know, there's just always going to be suspicion in some cases. And this is one of them. I don't even know if Joe, Jody's mom, is, um, you know, I think she's still weary of Raymond McCain. So Raymond moved out of that area. His daughter, who is older now and by the time of his release said how she never thought that his dad did it that that her dad did it she said i know my dad i know he's a good guy and the old guy said he had nothing to do with it he didn't know him so i think we got the killer case closed and you know some people had to suffer until he was found you know accusations and whatnot but I'm happy this 65-year-old pervert is behind bars before he could do any more damage and kill any more beautiful children, innocent children, just trying to live their lives and ride their frickin' bicycles down a frickin' road. Like, how dare he? Attacking little girls left, right, and center as they're riding their bikes and, you know, trying to get them in his garage. He has a grandkid who's like, you know, I mean, I bet the grandson just thinks his granddad's just a piece of shit now i mean who knows but like he killed his friend like fuck raped her and killed her i i don't know um definitely a piece of shit in my books jody has you know her gravestone has a beautiful picture of her on it Um, on her plaque and it's just sad um how old would she be now hang on let me figure this out so she would be about like 28 29 by now she would probably be married she might even you know have kids she probably would have been a cosmetologist it's just amazing to think where she would have been at this point if not for this old piece of worthless trash. These kind of cases boil my blood inside. It just boils me up. And, ooh, I hate people like this that just kill a little... Anybody, they just kill people. Especially when it... I just, I don't get it. Just for a quick sexual um, encounter experience. And then to be able to dispose of a child like trash after, even though they have grandkids and kids of their own, I will never understand, and I pray to God I will never understand the sick minds of these people. 
This is definitely the definition of dirty, dirty old man. Oh, thank you guys for listening. My name is Glamorous Mary. You can find me on YouTube and Instagram. I'll be doing another case for you all very soon. I hope you um, got some information out of this one. I don't want to say I hope you enjoyed it. Because these stories really aren't enjoyable, are they? They're hideous and tragic. But it's good to spread the word. It's good to spread awareness. And... Um, it's good to give these victims a voice in some way. Don't be a piece of shit. That's all I gotta say. Thank you all. Have a great day.